Just a quick one before this episode begins. Uh, some of the audio, mainly towards the end, uh, mucked up a little bit. You could hear my voice twice. It really isn't that bad. The quality of the episode is really good. Um, I think it happens for all of about five minutes. I don't speak that much in it either. Um, so deal with it, but enjoy this episode. Yippee-ki-yay, mother podcasters. Welcome back. It's a brand new episode of your favorite podcast. It's Died Hard, a podcast that just won't give up. Keep coming out with brand new episodes because there's an endless amount of incredible comedians that for some reason are all willing to talk to me. My guess is they've not listened to the podcast yet. In this case, I don't know what it is. This comedian is uh, a particularly great comedian. I had a really great time chatting with him. And, you know, if I have to get up really early in the morning for a podcast, it probably means the guest is Australian. And we love a bit of Aussie comedy on the podcast. We had a great chat. It was uh, particularly brilliant. One of my favorite episodes that I've recorded, which is always fun. I always like to come out of the record feeling like that. Uh, so please welcome to the podcast, the gutless wonder himself. It's Daniel Connell. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, it's... um. Still summertime here in Australia. We're getting the last little bit of summer, one month to go. Uh, to be, I live in yeah. Melbourne, and to be honest, it hasn't been too brutal of a summer just yet, but we're expecting some 40-degree days in February, so I don't mind them. Yeah. I, I like a bit of heat. See, it, it kills me. We managed 40 degrees last year. Uh, I think it was 41 and I would, I genuinely wanted to die. I think I spent like eight hours that day in a bath. Yeah. But not even with any water. I was just like, I think this is the coldest surface in the house. I'm just going to lay here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, I didn't even realise you got to 41. You could get to 41 over there. Well, that's the issue. We shouldn't be able to. But we've we've really mucked up at some point in that history. Something's happened. Yeah. Something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, over here at the moment it's summer, but there's floods all up in Queensland, and it's raining everywhere, and yeah, it's a bit bit different. Yeah. The cricket's getting washed out here and there. It's, I think it's become a weird theme for this uh, this episode of the podcast. Well, this season of the podcast. That I think for whatever reason, just whatever's happening everywhere in the world. There's a real theme of there's a climate crisis, and we'll we'll mention that in the in the top bit of this podcast. <laughs> there you go. And I think because I've had so many guests here where we're talking about winter and like we've had really bad flooding here in the UK, and then like we always open with like yeah there were floods but we're fine or like it's re- it's unusually cold or it's unusually warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can yeah you can cross over into that as well. Make it a climate change. I'm thinking Greta Thunberg for the last yeah, episode yeah, of the series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, let her listen. She's yeah. free. <laughs> so, Daniel, we were talking in the in the pre-record uh, that you're kind of ramping up to to festival season because yeah. that's what's going on uh, in Australia now. Um, do you want to kind of talk about like what's going on in that process? If you got uh, shows coming up, what's that looking like for you? Yeah, so it's it's pretty much the same every year. I've done stand-up since 2009 and I've done a solo show at our Australian festival season every year since about 2012 Um, and you basically the festivals run from now Perth Fringe is on now mid-January to mid-Feb and then Adelaide, Canberra, uh, Melbourne, 
Sydney and Brisbane, basically. That's how it runs. It goes up until about May, June, and then there's not really any festivals for that back six months of the year. So you kind of, my year normally looks like I'd really do all the festivals for the first five months and whatever other gigs come along. You know, there's always the club gigs and the corporate stuff on top of that. And then from June to December, you're kind of writing the next year's show. Um, So that's the cycle I've been in for, yeah, what's that, like 11 or 12 years, just continuing that thing and trying to get better and write a better show each year. And, yeah, I really enjoy the 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 challenge of getting to june june the first when i start writing a new show and really uh enjoy starting with that blank page and just trying to work up enough gags to to fill 55 to an hour basically yeah that's great and i i've seen the the shows that you've got on youtube you've got a couple of hours on there yeah and it really is like i think it was one of them things where it randomly came up in my in my for you on it might have been tiktok that there was a clip yeah and i was like oh i'll see if i can find the rest of it and they are like this is the compliment section by the way they are great shows (laughs) Thanks very much. I really found there was something about it, and I, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, that like, I always find there's a, a certain level with Australian comedy that I'm like, I feel oddly comfortable watching this. Like, It very much feels like someone's often having a rant at me, but I like them enough to be like, that's cool, we're yeah, mates, yeah. he, <laughs> he, he does, does this sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> and I... Yeah. That's. I think it's the energy that, especially like the last show that's on your YouTube, that I was like, oh, it really has that that energy of like it's a close mate who every now and then goes off on one, and you're like, that's cool, let him, let him do it, let him say it. <laughs> yeah. But it's a really good kind of tone, I found. Yeah, cheers. I um I do like to use that it to just get a couple of things off my chest, certainly. Um, <laughs> and it's nice to just squeeze them those things, the rants into into shows. So. I generally try and have like 35 to 40 minutes in the show that is going to work anywhere in clubs and that's quite punchy and that's kind of littered throughout the show. And then I always like to have some sort of maybe 10 or 12 minute story just that's a bit longer that I can come back to that sort of glues everything together. Uh, So the, the, the one, the first one released, the Gutless Wonder show, that's my 2022 show. And I reckon that was the best I've done at, um, the best I've I've come up with where I've from start to finish it's kind of made the most sense and r- just smooth, yeah. smoothly run for fifty five minutes, and it was definitely the the most attended one I've had in in the in Australia when I was touring, uh, and obviously on YouTube it's gone really well. Um, the second one was my twenty twenty one show, which I filmed on the same night, uh, and I'd <laughs> yeah I'd sort of added a bit of older stuff into that and. Um, chopped and changed it but I, I was still happy with how it came out but um, in hindsight I reckon I could have just done the one and then held off a little bit longer but I, I, I had the yeah. ca- the cameraman was a, a few friends that came from Canberra which is about a six hour drive from Melbourne uh, so I thought why they're coming down I might as well make the most of it and do t- two in one night yeah and I think uh, to be fair I, I did wonder when I saw them because they're both in the same location I was like <laughs> yeah, yeah. is he just a really big fan of, of this <laughs> venue is this just like this is my place like yeah, I perform yeah. here yeah. yeah I intend like I made it look like this is a bit behind the behind the scenes I so it's the same crowd for both shows yeah they came up on the same night it was a Saturday night we did the first show at 6.30 and then I fed them in the break 
$20 tickets. We fed them nachos in the break. You personally fed oh, them. We had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was mingling with them, but they, they had uh, some cooks at the venue, uh, some volunteers do it. And then I shaved in the break. I changed the, my shirt. <laughs> I changed the stool around, different colored stool. I got the crowd to reverse their seats. So if you're at the back, you're at the front. <laughs> And just fully made it, made the cameramen switch their positions, the locked in cameras. So yeah, to make it look like I'd gone back after the success of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a great scoop. I admire the the effort to do it, but I can't help but wonder how as a crowd you feel. <laughs> yeah. like, some guy's like, I'm just going back then and comes out clean shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely yeah. looking different. Yeah, I told them all what I was up to and they all found it quite hilarious um which yeah. which helped because they're all in a good mood but um yeah because all my friends like friends are doing you know spending fifteen thousand australian on filming the same one twice and then cutting it yeah. up you know wearing the same shirt and cutting it up with the same crowd or sorry different crowds um yeah, yeah i i just thought well i'm gonna get my money's worth and get two for the price of one <laughs> so I've got a great crowd here. You can try this; it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And like, if you fluff a line, you just say it again, and they all know. Like, yeah. you just edit it out. That's the beauty of it. I find, like, as well, I've watched quite a lot of people who who do gigs like that that they record that they're like, yeah, I could say it again. That very much will just say like, mess that up on the recording. I'll say it again, and they say it again, but they leave all of that yeah. in. And I think like everyone finds that funny. Like it proves that it works on the night as well to acknowledge like we're filming this. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I have seen that in a few specials. It, it, it does. It's that little bit of the realness that you like to see, not too wanky. I always find that that's quite fun to do at like kind of like open mic level. <laughs> like, you're doing your comedy and then just be like mess that line up it's fine we'll change it on the recording yeah, yeah. And just like, what yeah recording it on your phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> although now everybody i don't know how it is in the uk but everybody's got cameras at gigs now every oh, yeah. level of comedian has a little tripod at the back filming everything i'm the first guy to to show up and be like gotta get this <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But I often like to do it because I like on the train home, I, I watch it back. And initially it started because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll use it to I can analyze my performance. I'll be like, this joke worked. This one didn't. Maybe it was the word and maybe I said this wrong. Whereas now what I do is I watch it on the train home and I'm like, I hate this. I hate <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't quite work. <laughs> There's a bit of a thing happening at the moment in Melbourne, particularly where uh, other performers, if you're friends with them on um, know them well enough, they're tampering with the cameras and uh either like whispering shit into the microphone or <laughs> i knew one mate who put he put he pulled he found he google imaged a picture of a human asshole and put it up to the camera <laughs> and just held it in front of the for the entire recording and you couldn't see who it was he didn't make a sound so that the person who was recording doesn't know who done <laughs> I think that's a brilliant move. I don't know whether I would have to own up if I had done that or be like, this is the greatest secret in oh, comedy now. It's at the moment it is because the guy just does not know and nobody will let up with who's done it. So um, you obviously, you were saying that you've been in comedy for, for quite a while now. And obviously I think everyone kind of has that point. Every comedian has that point of like, you're pre-comedy and then you're during or hopefully not, but post-comedy. Where, uh, like, do, do you remember what that stage was for you when you were kind of pre-comedy, when you first kind of had that exposure to comedy? I, I grew up in a small country town 
that didn't have a lot of access to definitely live shows coming to town. But um, I grew up in a place called Batemans Bay, which at the time was about 8,000 people, I guess, um, just yeah. on the coast, just a few hours down from Sydney. And uh, I, I, I used to just watch what my parents watched. And my dad liked Monty Python and Billy Connolly was huge here. You may have heard that before, but he was massive. I here. loved it. Yeah, yeah. He, he was on everything here. He married an Australian lady and um he was it seemed like he was here all the time like he was doing he was always doing shows here like like um traveling around shows like where he was on a motorbike just trip cruising around australia or doing live shows so i I had a lot of exposure to him my parents had the pick of billy Connolly, the album um and then guys in australia like in the not in like the mid to late 90s have you heard of jim owen over there yeah, yeah, I'm going, going to, to see Jim. Oh, great, awesome! Yeah, he lives, <laughs> lives around the corner. Um, he he came to my hometown. He he had his own show on Australian TV in the late '90s, and he came to my hometown when I was 17. And I saw him at the the club in RSL club in my hometown, and that was like yeah. that was like a big like wall. Like you can do this as a job and just come in and make yeah. this many people make like money doing that and. I didn't tell anyone, but I kept it, you know, locked up that this is might be what I want to do. Um, yeah. Obviously, and then in my head, I'm like, well, I am terrified of public speaking, so I'm going to have to practice that a bit before I try. <laughs> do you remember what that thought was where you were like, oh, I'm going to do that? Like, because I, I always think as someone who has had that thought, like, is that like a weird arrogance that we all have that we watch someone do it great and go, I could do that? Yes, for <laughs> sure. Because I had it probably from eight years old to 14 years old, I was going to be a rugby league professional. I was like, I can, I can yeah. do that. And I played rugby league. And then I started playing cricket in my early teens. And from probably 14 to when I saw Jim Owen, I was going to be a professional cricketer. And then when I saw Jim Owen, I was like, oh, no comedy is where it's at so i'm sure it was not yeah I, it was just a, a definitely a pipe dream because i didn't try it till i was 25 for the first time so i became a chef after yeah. school and had tried sort of just forgotten about it for a few years uh and then came back to it yeah once i moved to canberra where there was a bit of a scene i think that's one of them things that is a very kind of uh I don't want to say common, uh, but I, I think it's a thing that happens quite a lot where you see that people think, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do comedy here. I can't make it here because there isn't necessarily a comedy scene there. And, and I think that's something that really fortunately has kind of changed where like locally and in smaller towns and smaller cities, like comedy scenes are building up very gradually. Yeah. But do you think like, do you think that ever was quite like, uh, like it helped you to to hone that skill where you kind of needed to do it for so much longer because you had to wait and you had to build up those experiences and move somewhere new yeah. before you were able to be like, I'm going to try it now. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I, I Obviously, the public speaking thing was a big part of waiting for so long. And then in the end, because I waited so long, then the fact that I'd had a, a few jobs and had lived in a few little towns and uh you know worked 4 30 a.m shifts when i was a cook and you know done a few hard yards in in certain industries i think i did have a bit more experience when i came in to the scene at 25 i feel like if you start when you're 18 or something it might be a little bit 
tricky to not be good, like you can still be great, but you're probably just uh, going to attract a certain crowd, probably your age. Um, people who yeah. are a bit older don't really want to hear what you've got to say. <laughs> you know, yeah. your, your world-solving things. And I found that just myself, even when I started at 25, I reckon it took till I was in my early 30s, till people start really paying attention and, it's a mixture of getting older and just getting better, obviously. But um, I, I, yeah. I do still feel like those, you know, working, you know, working a, a job, a trade for seven years before it definitely, definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like being a chef, you can't be a shy chef. That's not something that you could do. <laughs> I hated it so much. Like, yeah, I, looking <laughs> back on it, I don't regret it because I met some like lifelong friends and. Uh, lived in a couple of cool places, but I, I, the the job itself, I just, I, I just shudder now thinking about those days, in the kitchen. Yeah, it's not a comedy question, but do you reckon you're a good cook? Uh look, I really, I, seafood, I can cook really well. I like to cook seafood yeah. related things because growing up on the coast, I'd, I, and I still like to do that now, like maybe a special meal for my wife's family or something. But just Monday to Friday. <laughs> I'm not doing anything special. Yeah, yeah. just sim- pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't say I enjoy it. Christmas time. I might like get the knives out and try something, but yeah, yeah. I, I I hated it so much. <laughs> See, that was just I had a, a genuine intrigue where everyone that I talk to that has at one point been a chef or some kind of cook is after they've left are just like, I don't want to cook anymore. <laughs> like, that's ruined for me. No. Like, people have said, like, could you, like, maybe retire and run a little cafe or something? Or And I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I could, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm so glad that I only ever, the closest I got to, to chefing was I used to be a line cook in, uh, in McDonald's. So I used to flip the burgers. But I hate making burgers. But I love cooking everything else. Okay. But burgers, I think to like, I used to do two a.m. till ten a.m. in McDonald's, and I was like, <laughs> I don't like that. So I <laughs> had to give that side of me up. Yeah, yeah. See those hours, even no matter what you're cooking at those hours, <laughs> it's never going to be fun. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's a sad hour to be cooking burgers as well. Yeah, because it's and the clientele you're getting then. They're not going to be that. Yeah, that they're all drunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you were at home cooking a burger at 2 a.m., you're getting sanctioned. Something's wrong yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think we should maybe close our McDonald's like 11. Yeah, exactly. 11 p.m. be like, right, we're shut for the night. We'll see you at 6 <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. But uh, no <laughs> Yeah. So obviously we've talked about kind of like how you kind of was like, oh, I want to start comedy. I want to get into it. There's a point in time that, you know, we don't need to kind of dig into too much where you you start comedy there. But do you remember that kind of feeling of like, oh, this is the best gig I've ever had? Or are you sort of more the person that you don't have like a best gig, but you have things that you look for in a gig where you're like, oh, this is going to be good. I like I like this crowd. I like this. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I try, I, I've always tried not to think too much about even if, from the MC, it's a red hot crowd, or um, you know, this is going to be a good one, or this is going to be shit. I try and just, yeah, really just focus on. 
I've always been a mumbler, so I really make sure I'm speaking clearly before I go on. Like I do a few yeah. <laughs> uh, vocal warm-ups and just little little things with my lips just to get my lips moving because if I don't, I just sound I, I'm a bit hard to understand at times if I'm rushing. And that was yeah. certainly a thing early days I had to really watch and work on. I had I had this weird speech thing until I was about seven, so it's kind of still lingers if I don't get get things moving. Like even before this chat, I just... Had to do a few, you know, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongues, just to get things rolling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Which yeah. is the most satisfying thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, thick black beetles leak thick black blood is is a great one. That's always trips people up. Um, I've never heard that one. I often do. Uh, Betty Butter bought a bit of butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in the batter, it will make the batter bitter. But it was better Betty Butter. Betty Butter bought a better bit of butter because a better bit of butter would make the batter better. <laughs> That's awesome. I have to do that, that is, one. That is, a, <laughs> that is a long one too. That almost sounds like yeah. British hip hop. Sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I always think maybe if I if I did it enough, I could be the next Eminem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're onto something there. Um, yeah, so I think I've always like focused on like just speaking properly and and uh, what 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 my first joke is and where I'm headed. I've had times yeah. where, um, you know, I've been in the gig and it's been like, wow, this is like. This is just doesn't get much better than this. But then, as soon as you think that, you like things start going weird. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you just can't uh, t- change your train of thought. Probably the the gig I've like enjoyed the most, even though I was the most terrified I'd ever been. I did a the thing at the start of the comedy festival in Melbourne, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. They have a gala, which is what I watched from you know through my teens, and they always do one show at the Palais Theatre in St Kilda which is about 3,000 yeah. people and televised. And it was my first TV spot. And I, I, I kind of got the gig, um, the, the, the sort of the, I think the staff from the festival saw me host this event that went really, really well. And they, yeah. they I had done shows, little things for them in the past, and I'd always done a festival show. So they definitely knew who I was, but it was kind of a, a surprise me. It was a bit out of left field to be asked to do this event and I, I I said yes of course but in hindsight I wasn't ready for it like I just wasn't um you know I was probably eight years in which sounds like a yeah. lot but uh when you haven't had much tv exposure and you walk out to that many people and there's cameras flying around on a boom and it was it was it was terrifying like the I could hardly step foot when they said my name it just I remember just thinking, I've got to go here. Like I have, I, I can't. This has been filmed. They've called my name. I have to walk onto this stage. Um, yeah. But then ten seconds in, I, I knew the two jokes I was doing. I knew would work in that environment because they were short and punchy, and they'd always done well in clubs. I was sort of my two best jokes at the time, and I just knew if I could speak properly, I'd get it out there. And yeah, probably halfway through the first one. I was like, this is just, that this is going so well. This is like, yeah. I can't believe I'm up here and I feel so calm now. I feel like I am enjoying this. And then I did the second one and it went really well. And just the the feeling after that, I've never, I haven't experienced anything since. And I doubt I will, just that. Uh, and I doubt I'll yeah. ever experience the fear that I had. And I think that's why it felt so amazing afterwards. I just was, I just felt 10 feet tall and, um, it's hard to describe how terrifying it is. Like your body is almost like you're almost like catatonic. You gotta you gotta snap into 
moving your shoulders and walk and you know holding a microphone yeah. feels weird it's yeah it's like this proper anxiety terror coursing through your veins your heart's pumping out of your chest but then once you're up there and you start talking it's like okay this is where probably where i'm more comfortable than in the wings um yeah yeah and and you just want to do well because they've sort of taken a punt and um you probably won't get back asked anytime soon if you die in the ass so <laughs> I, I would say out of all that's the one i remember the most just i remember that night remember the pre and the post feeling the yeah so that's definitely number one yeah mm. and i think as well like having watched quite a lot of like the the melbourne gala like it it always seems such a lovely crowd mm. that I think it's that thing as well where no one has come to to not enjoy the comedy. Like everyone is there to yeah. enjoy it, and you get a vast difference. Like I I think for a crowd where like I saw I think Rob Beckett had come and done one, yeah. and I'd seen it was the same year and it was back to back. It was Rob Beckett and then Sam Campbell. Yeah, and it's like you can't get much different. Yeah, especially because it was Sam Campbell just trying to make people do circles. Oh, yeah, yeah. and every now and then showing them a picture of a monkey. Yeah, yeah, and like everyone was down for both of them. Yeah, and I think it is that thing of it's such a welcoming crowd yeah. that like yeah, as long as you're confident in the bits. Yeah, and you come out and you don't look like you think you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you've got a crowd that is there to support you and, and willing to watch you kind of succeed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely a um, a great crowd. That the the tough the tough spots on those nights are in that because it's like twenty. They have twenty four acts, twenty six acts, so yeah. it is a super long night. So if you're in those last four or five, it is a little bit trickier. Uh, but that first one I was on, I think maybe fourth or fifth. So I, which yeah. I think is I think they looked after me, knowing you know. So you're in. I was in the absolute prime position. Uh, for the crowd, yeah. yeah, for the crowd to be really ready to go. Everyone's uh, fully kind of amped up yeah, for comedy. Yeah, yeah, and the MC sort of like this is his first time, so they sort of get behind you in that regard as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just remember afterwards. I just and like in the lead up to it, I just didn't, I just couldn't sleep. A couple of days before, you had to go in for a rehearsal. At, I had to go to the the, the call at like 8am that morning to give them some shirt options and to have a test on the mic and everything and then you're just waiting till yeah. 7 o'clock that night you go home and you just I just I just remember just laying on the lounge and just trying to sleep but just not uh, so it's just the yeah. longest wait so I remember the the relief the day afterwards I just felt yeah I felt like weightless basically yeah mm. and I think it's such a great thing to have as well when like like you said, the the gala is something that you've enjoyed as well. Like it's great to go to something that you enjoyed yeah. and do a good job of it. Yeah. Because you know that if you've had that experience where it's been kind of something for you where you'd be like, Oh, that was great and I love this show. Yeah. Like you could have been that for someone else. Like someone who wants to get into comedy might have watched that and be like, Okay, this is the level I wanna be at. Yeah, yeah, it was it's definitely nice to look back at uh, after watching it all as a child and and uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really set myself any kind of goals but I, I think doing that w- would have been you know on my to-do list if I ever wanted to do something in stand-up if you had to ask me when I started like 
yeah, being, yeah. being asked to do it and then doing um, getting a few laughs as well. Um, yeah, it was it was. It's, it's good, good to set those goals, goals retrospectively as well, so yeah. that you've already ticked them off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> set the goal there. I'd love to do the gala, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <great>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we talked then about your your best gigs, your mm. best experiences, the things that you love in a gig. It's lovely. It's wonderful. <laughs> we're riding high. We're having a brilliant time. It's great. What bad thing could possibly happen now? What could ruin this chat? <laughs> what was your worst gig? Mm, yes, there's there's a couple that stand out. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one short one that kind of has been usurped by, yeah, it's been definitely taken over by the main one. When I was about, I was only about 18 months in and I was living in Canberra and I did a gig off the back of a truck on a farm to some locals <laughs> for a mate who lived out there about an hour out of Canberra and this guy started flinging sheep shit at us with a shovel. <laughs> yeah, and it just was so, like I just did not know how to handle it. I didn't know what to say. I just had no comebacks and then tried to just kick on with another five minutes of material just to nothing. Uh, that was up yeah. until that point. That was definitely the worst. The one that springs to mind as the worst has, has many levels to it. It was Edinburgh Fringe 2019, so my second Edinburgh, and I'd had a I'd had a reasonable run the first year, which made me want to go back again. And I was in yeah. one of the underbelly rooms in um, Bristow Square, which is like the main sort of area. And the run, like it was probably like 14 or 15 shows into the run. It was, the run was going very well and um, I had a really good time. I was like uh, 7.45 at night and flyering yeah. was working really Which well. Which is a great time yeah. for an Edinburgh game. Yeah, I was getting good numbers in and I had a review night on a Saturday night and I had an Australian producer, my friend Rebecca Austin, and she was like, we'll get all the reviews in this night. It's going to sell out. Like it was going to be my second sellout of the run, like 100 people. And I was just super pumped. And then the night before, I had a kebab on the way home after just another lineup spot. And I just woke up with the, sh- the runs, as uh, you guys call it, I believe. We call it the shits. But yeah, we do. Yeah, but we have both. The shits, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I was just crook, really sick, all day, just like... Yeah, just up and down, just depleted, trying to have like, you know, vitamin C and drink, having icy poles and whatever I could just to get out of bed. And we were like, well, these reviewers, they don't, they don't, they can't change because there's so many shows. If that, if I don't do tonight's show, I'm not going to get reviewed. It's a sellout. Like financially, I have to do it. I just can't not do it, you know, and all afternoon, I was like, oh, should I not do it? Should I do it? And I went ahead and did it. And before I went on stage, I put, I was still feeling horrible. I put a full roll of toilet paper. I just rolled it out and over my hand and put it down the back of my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I went out and I, normally when a, before a gig, like you're talking about it before, about like a gig going well or what your feelings towards it, like, they were pretty chatty, like the crowd was pretty chatty when I was backstage. Yeah. And I was like having little sips of water and I was like, just once I start, I'll be right. Dr. Comedy, the adrenaline kicking, it'll just get me through. And I thought I just need them to come to the party and just be a good hundred, you know, like it just needed 
and they were the yeah. they were the most. I did. I never rent. I didn't want to ever reference that I was sick. I didn't. Uh, I did, and I didn't. And they were just the most quiet hundred people I've ever gigged to in my life. You yeah. can hear a pin drop, little chuckles here and there. The worst, like the, the worst gig I'd ever had, let alone at that Edinburgh Fringe. Like they just, I just didn't know w- what had happened. And and then you start thinking yeah. about the reviewers being in there. I'm feeling horrible. I'm just sort of just saying the words took for the last 20 minutes um yeah it finishes and i'm i just feel like shit in like more ways yeah. than one the gig was horrible reviewers were in um people like I, I i used to hand out like fridge magnets or something at the end of the gig i didn't i just didn't do it because it was just no point i didn't want to face these people that had just listened yeah. you know and it was so it was so bizarre it was just like everything lined up that night to be horrible um, yeah, and then like the next night, you come back to like thirty people, and it's great again, and they're laughing all the way through. No, the reviews are gone. Yeah, the reviews <laughs> are gone. It was just this. Yeah, it's just. I yeah, I can never get that back, and I I I don't like think about it. I don't lose sleep about it or anything, but um, it's a good story to tell because it was a horrible. Yeah, I love the thought of a man who's resigned himself to like. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to have to put the toilet paper there <laughs> because inevitably I'm going to crap myself. Yeah, it's going to happen. And yeah, it was, yeah. I, I was happy to get the, you know, the money because it chips into the cost of going over there. But yeah. yeah, it just didn't. I think all my all my reviews were like either two and a half or three stars. It was all just that middling that don't do anything to sell you yeah. any more tickets. Where if it's a, if that night's a, you know shitting or not if that's a hundred ripper crowd and they get a few fours or whatever, it just would have changed that last yeah. two weeks. But um, yeah, that that sticks out as my worst experience. And I and I've I've had gigs like that since where sometimes you just walk out and people are just really quiet. But I've sort yeah. of worked on better, you know, better emceeing almost emceeing your own show to chat to the crowd because I never used to chat to the crowd and when I came back from that 2019 Edinburgh I was like I'm going to start working on crowd work uh, yeah. talking to the crowd and I yeah it's definitely that's why I'd love to come back to Edinburgh and have another go because I think crowd work and just chatting to them early really works especially there because it's a real mixed bag of crowd there's always you know in Australia we're performing to Australians basically but over there you could have six or seven different nationalities in your in your 30 people um yeah, which I think helps to just break the ice a little bit and get everybody on the same page. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's the one. The shitting, I think shitting that, myself in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that hits a, a new caliber of. I was going to say highs, but lows <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> I, I love a story where you know most people they they read other oh, questions like what's your worst gig and it's always like oh i told this joke wrong and then i spiraled yeah i love it when someone takes the assignment as like oh yeah i do. i was dying yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. i was on stage there was 90 percent chance i was crapping yeah. myself yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> i love the difference yeah. in and it's great to hear both sides mm. of it but i do get very excited when someone's yeah. like wasn't even oh. the fault of me. It was yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a crowd that hated me, yeah. and my body hated me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Comedians love a death story way more than they love a good story. 
You catch up with yeah, mates and they're like, I've, have you had any shit ones recently? That's all they want to hear about. That's, <laughs> I've talked to, to quite a lot of, of comedians that are doing this about, like, obviously I have the question about what's your best gig that I have kind of had to rephrase to, like, what are things you look for in a gig? Because yeah. I've noticed there is a thing that... Oh, Hello. I, do that. I did a thumbs up on the screen. <laughs> Uh, and I've noticed there is a thing that like you you mention it to people and they never know. They're like, well, I don't know what was my best one. I don't yeah. <laughs> like I don't remember a good gig. I'm like, did you gig recently? They're like, yeah, I gigged on Saturday. How was it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, like, there you go. That's a good, good one. one. But yeah. no one, we never think about that. We don't because where's the fun in that story? To exactly. be like, I did so well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be nice. It's, it's very hard to put a joke. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I remember coming home from that gig and just telling all, because I was staying with obviously comedians from Australia who were yeah. over there as well, and yeah, that it, it became a good little laugh by the end of it. We could all laugh by the end of the fringe about me, yeah, making a nappy for myself before the gig. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh. I, I love when I can be halfway through an episode and know what the title of the episode will <laughs> <Right>. inevitably be. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so, Daniel, you've you've been in comedy for for quite a while now, and obviously, I think you know you inevitably everyone's had their fair share of bad gigs or even just rough gigs. Yeah. Is there a bit of advice that you've learned along the way in terms of performing comedy or writing comedy that you think, like, either someone's told it you or it's just something that you would say to any comedian that is, like, you know, I would I would say this to anyone that's wanting to get into comedy or early doors in comedy? Mm. Yeah, I would say, from what I know now, is just purely, like, the, the, they just happen. Like, bad gigs happen. doesn't matter. Like, you speak to any... Who you you yeah. speak to your most favourite comedian all time, and they have had bad gigs. Every big name I've ever spoken to, we've talked. You know, they have they happen. It just yeah. corporate things. I've heard of like big big Australian famous names going to corporate gigs where the people like cheer them like they're a superstar walking onto the stage, and then they just die for half an hour. And you hear stories like that. And yeah. Like, Fuck, like, well, of course it's going to happen to me if it's happening to them. You know this big superstar so i think it's just yeah it's just a part of the game i i think they're good to happen to you early because it just thickens your skin up a bit i um yeah you see some people really take it to heart and you know open i got open mics here where i'm trying new material leading up the festivals and you see some people have a bad one and just you can sell it's really getting to them but you're just like it's just a part of it like you've just got to cop it on the chin and uh if you're just pure, if you just really worry about your material and writing the best gags you think you can write, and and focusing all your time on that, and then going out and doing the shittest of gigs and doing gigs regularly, you know, everything else will take care of itself. The the shit gigs will get less and less over the years. Yeah. And you know, you, you'll just become way more uh, confident. And if I have like a night now where. I try some stuff and it falls kind of flat. I, I, I walk, I don't even give it a second thought. I just listen to it the next day yeah. and I go, oh, yeah, that's, that isn't funny. Um, it needs to be better. But, yeah, I don't, yeah it, it's just, um, yeah, I think if you just worry about the material and trying to write the funniest thing you can and gig a lot, then, the, yeah, the, the, the shit ones will become less and less as the years go on. 
Yeah, I, I think, think that's great, great advice. Uh, it reminds me a bit of one bit in there that you said of. I don't know if you know who Sarah Millican is. Oh yeah, yeah, I know who Sarah Millican is. Yeah, who because also does a fair bit of like Melbourne Gala stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she has what uh, is called in comedy Millican's Law of you have until 11 a.m. the next day, whether your gig was great or awful, that you can feel anything about it. You can be riding high or feel awful. And she was like, after 11 a.m., you've got to cut it off. you got to move on to the next gig. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it is that thing that you say of, like, you just you shouldn't take it to heart. You've got to be able to walk out of there and be like, didn't work. Yes. Let's write more. Yes, exactly. And, and you'll be amazed by... And that, that even comes down to like comments online when you're putting up your first videos and people are saying this is shit. Like it, it hurts early, you yeah. know? It hurts to see that and you take it to heart and you look up that person's profile and you go, fucking, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? I, I've never replied yeah. to anyone, but I remember those comments early days when I put out sketches or, you know, that would burn me for a couple of days. And I get them now on a TikTok, I don't even... I, I, it doesn't even like go into my brain and you just it's just a part of it you know like yeah comedy is you know not every you don't you don't like every comedian so every person isn't gonna like you you know um yeah and some nights in a shitty, and i think um in a, like, some nights in a shitty open mic there might be 20 of those people in the crowd and that's just how it goes <laughs> Yeah, I I remember the first time I got any kind of literally yeah, to be fair, any comment on the TikTok I posted in my stand-up was some guy just commented like wasted two minutes of my life watching this and I was like for ages I was like I shouldn't reply to this I did eventually reply which is like yeah and you wasted more type in a comment and then he deleted his comment <laughs> and I I stood by that one but I did learn from that like because I felt. Having typed that, I, I thought, oh, it's funny, and then I typed it and sent it, and then I was angry. Yeah. And then I was like, it's just, it's best never to, to reply. Yeah, that's what, exactly what they want. They want, they're fishing, they want a little bite. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I see, I see comedians getting fights with, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Just put your yeah. laptop or your phone down and go and have a cup of tea, you know? Yeah, and, and when you're at that professional level as well, like, I think there's really no need to kind of get back at them because also they're like, you're not funny. It's like one of us is paid to know what funny is and it's not the person that's commenting like, this isn't funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I say, like, yeah, everybody, I, I would never comment on something. Like if I was just a punter, I don't think I would ever just go on a Facebook post and say I don't like this. I think yeah. I'd just say I don't like this in private and move on. And maybe block having to see you'd him. find but them after, after the game, game. Yeah. didn't like that yeah. one <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought this was wrong and this was wrong but I've said it to your face yeah goodbye <laughs> yeah yeah I think I just think time in the game and if you yeah if you head down bum up and you're riding constantly and you're gigging constantly then only good things can happen I reckon yeah Definitely. Mm. Um, well, Daniel, this is, for me, always the saddest part of the podcast because this is the bit where I have to kind of bring it in slowly to a close. Um, but I obviously want to provide kind of as much of a platform for you because you'll have so much coming up. Uh, so when I say as much of a platform, I provide one whole minute for you to 
to, to plug whatever is coming up in the future, um, any gigs, any social media, any anything that you want them to watch or do or action, yeah. this is your time to promote it. Yes, well, first, for all your Australian listeners, um, which I'm sure there is many. There's a fair few. Oh, great. Uh, I'm touring... 50%. Oh, really? That's awesome. I'm yeah. touring Australia starting from in two weeks. When will this come out? Uh, probably, probably in about two weeks. weeks. Okay. When this comes out, I'll be probably in Perth Fringe. I'm doing all the festivals uh, with my new show, which is called Little Aussie Battler, all brand new material from last year's show. So I'll be in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane, Sydney, and then back half the year, I'll announce a bunch of new dates in different places around Australia. Check out uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's just Daniel Connell Comedy. Uh, YouTube, I've got the two specials up there. If you want to watch that, just look up Daniel Connell Comedy in there at the top of my page. Uh, you can check out my website, danielconnell.com.au. It's got all the info for shows and tickets and all that coming up. And I think I'm running out of time, but I made a little sketch series called Dan About the House over summer, our summer. Uh, and I put seven little clips up there on my Instagram. You can check those out if you feel the need. Nice. Was that inside of I like that you... I, I would have to say, I, I do not really tired. I say it's a minute. For the first, like, three episodes of this series, I was I was on it. I was like, you get 60 seconds, it starts now, and I was timing it. Uh, I've fallen off doing that. It's good, though. I got bored. It's good, because you, it makes you, I had to really switch on then and think about what I had to say. So if you didn't say a minute, you need a time thing. People will just waffle on otherwise. Yeah. Season one, the, the plug-in minute, minute was about five minutes per guest. Yeah. And so, so then, then I thought, if I tell them up top, top you've got a minute. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> no one's going yeah. no to go, go for it. Yeah. Awesome. We'll, we'll do a quick outro of the podcast, and then uh, I'll, uh, I'll cut you free. Um, so, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute treat to speak to you. Uh, best of luck with all your upcoming shows. But now is your time to say goodbye as well. No worries, Ben. Thanks for, for having me on. And uh, thanks for getting up at, what time is it there? Uh, it's 8.30 now. 8.30, that's, that's all right. This is a normal day. day. Yeah, that's all right. Actually, but it's Sunday morning, right? It is Sunday yeah, morning, yeah. So thanks for doing that on your Sunday morning, <laughs> mate. Appreciate it. <laughs> Not, Not a problem. problem. You're, You're doing this for free, free so it's all good. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs>